This is Indian Noir, India's number one horror, crime and dark fantasy storytelling podcast. Independent India has faced many threats from within and without. Most of them have been thwarted thanks to the courage, skills and intellect of the men and women who serve in our military and intelligence organizations. But sometimes our enemies win. In the aftermath of the 2611 attacks, a deep cover black ops agency was created to eliminate threats from within. Anarchist death cults, vicious double agents, traitorous political cabals, clandestine terror cells and dangerous puppets of enemy states. Only three things are known about this secretive organization. One, their agents are deployed as a trio, a stealthy intelligence operative, a lethal special forces soldier and a cunning field commander. Two, their motto is death to our enemies. Three, in classified logs, they are referred to as Trishul. Trishul, Season 1 Episode 4 Commander Usha Raman, 55, had a physique that belied her age. She ran her fingers through her greying bob cut as she paced behind Super Subu, who was analyzing information on multiple screens. The insights of the Chinook, which served as a mobile operations center for Thrishul, was adorned with maps, LED screens, computer terminals, streaming equipment and communication devices. Fondly called Nandi, the custom-fitted helicopter was the court of the commanding officer who lorded over both Arihant and Faiza. Usha Raman, whose radio call sign was Nandi Actual, looked to the entrance of the chopper, expecting to see her two officers step inside at any moment. She sighed impatiently. Subhu's glance flitted from screen to screen as he punched insert strings and tags that pulled data from multiple intelligence databases. He was comparing that information with the files Arihant had procured from the shack in the canola farm. Arihant made me late, Commander, Feza said as she stepped into the cabin followed by Arihant who looked unimpressed at the betrayal. Both of them were dressed in nondescript 
black uniform pants and shirts. I am not in the mood for jokes, Usher Amin said. Arihan and Faiza snapped a salute and then stood at attention in response to this statement. You two have done all right. Now let's see what Officer Subarayan can garner from the intelligence you have collected. Usha said, her eyes boring into the back of Subu's head. Ah yes, of course, these two get to blow up stuff in the field without scant regard for the integrity of the intelligence collected from the site. Then it's my burden to make heads or tail of the rubbish they drag in. I have to work with limited resources to look for needles in a haystack. Subu said with a wry smile. He did not look up from his work as he lobbed these criticisms at the Thrashul operatives. Less complaining, Officer Subarayan, Usha said. Uh, yes, ma'am, he responded promptly, inviting a chuckle from Faiza. Pretty sure your hacking session was compromised, bringing all that heat on me, Arihant said. Hey, that was not me. My work was stellar as always. Besides, you are a big boy, and I'm sure you took care of it without too much trouble. Subu looked at Arihant up and down to ensure he wasn't missing any body parts. Yep, Arihant said wryly, still feeling the ache in his bones from his fight with the jacketed thug. Usha gave Subu a stern look before turning her attention to one of the LED screens on the far side of the room, which featured satellite imagery. Feza took the opportunity to chide Subu further. <sighs> our enemies will conquer our nation by the time our colleague is done destroying the keyboard, she said. Yeah, yeah, keep angling for a reaction, Feza, Subu said. It's Captain Faiza Khan to you, boyo, Faiza said and poked a tongue at him. Subu smirked. I have got something here, Commander, Subu said as he slammed the enter key and sat back on his chair. Usha nodded to her two field agents and the three of them huddled over Subu's screen as he brought up relevant interfaces to present his case. Subu raised both his arms like a maestro about to conduct an orchestra and said, We know from Lalan's confession that the consultant this organization was after was one Raman Pandey, a 45 years of age, married with a child, currently residing in Jabalpur. What is he doing in Jabalpur? Usharaman asked. His independent consultancy won the tender to manage several major infrastructure and civil works projects in the state. They have completed about 20 projects over the last few years and have eight more to deliver in the coming years, Subu said. Faiza sighed. She did not like what she was hearing. I need a complete list of those projects. Already on it, boss, Subu said, pointing to a window where he had programmed a custom function to farm the data from government files. He then brought up another window with a click of the mouse button. Now, the e-key stole a lot of files that are heavily encrypted, some of which I am still trying to crack open. But such is my genius that I have managed to open most of them. That's the good news. The bad news is that they are mostly junk files full of useless information 
and some tie the organization to the automated messages hitting the forums. But yeah, mostly it's crap. Subu said with a smile. I can feel a butt coming, followed by another bout of self-congratulatory nonsense, Feza said with a roll of her eyes. Spot on! Deep in the bowels of this file stash, I found a list of phone numbers with no names attached to it, Subu said. Arihan leaned in with great interest. I pinged all of the numbers on that list along with Raman Pandey's number and guess what? Subu said, maximizing a window. It showed the network of roads and highways crisscrossing Madhya Pradesh and the mobile towers that serviced the state. A red dot and a green dot were travelling together on the highway to the outskirts of Jabalpur. Good lord, Faisal said. Subu? Dispatch local intelligence to Raman's house in Jabalpur. Put a call to the commissioner's office and issue a red alert for all the assets that Raman's consultancy has worked on. Give them the bare minimum details required to proceed with the operation. If anyone pulls rank or plays up, patch them through to me. Usha instructed in a rapid-fire fashion. Then she turned to both Feza and Arihant and said, Shoot up. An abandoned go-down in the outskirts of Jebelpur. Yes, it's all here. Everything we needed. The gang leader wearing the ski mask said. Raman Pandey smiled and folded his palms together. I am glad, sir. The leader threw the files into an open duffel bag and turned his attention back to Raman. Now, my daughter, Raman said pointing to the little girl seated behind the leader. She was gagged and bound to a steel chair. Her muffled screams filtered through a filthy rag stuffed into her mouth and filled Raman's heart with despair. What do you think, boys? The leader's muffled voice directed the query to the two thugs positioned behind Raman Pandey. They wore an identical pair of jeans and black tank tops that showcased their bulked-up physique, a result of years of steroid abuse. One of the men nodded, while the other shook his head to indicate his displeasure at the suggestion. What does everyone else think? The leader lifted his head up to address the five gunmen with automatic rifles who patrolled the gantries above them. They did not respond. Finally, after what seemed like ages, the leader said, you have done well, Raman. I think you deserve your price. Faiza and Arihant were waiting outside the warehouse, kitted up in body armor, waiting for the go-ahead from Uma. Super Subu had tracked both Raman Pandey and the unknown person of interest using the mobile towers and narrowed their location down to the abandoned go-down. It was the site of an old garment processing factory. The warehouse was a squat structure featuring peeling blue paint, patches of rust and vivid carpets of floral creepers. The afternoon sun blazed down on the abandoned bushland that surrounded the building. 
Insects filled the air with a trilling dissonant chorus of sounds that were unnerving. Adihand scanned the thermal signature inside the building using his specialized optical equipment. The people inside showed up as yellow and red clusters. On the actual, I am counting around 10 plus individuals, 8 tangos, and then maybe the package? Adihant said into his throat mic, hoping for more clarity on what awaited them inside. Cobra One, that would be right. Intelligence just finished squeezing Raman's wife. He had to steal files from one of the government offices and offer it as a ransom to secure the release of his daughter. She said. Bastards, Feza muttered. Police have all the roads out of there blocked off, Uma added. Cobra 1 and Cobra 2, go do your thing. You are cleared for hot. Affirmative, Feza said as she led Arihand in a combat prowl towards one of the side doors that provided access into the building. Before I give you your heart's desire, Mr. Pandey, I thought it prudent to be honest and upfront with you, the leader said. I don't understand, Demon stammered. The information you gave me will make my employers very happy. I believe they wish to trigger an apocalypse with it. What do I care? <laughs> I just want to be paid, the leader said. Uh, what? Demon struggled to make sense of what he was hearing. I also want you to see my face, the leader said, taking his mask off. From within the mask emerged a handsome face featuring a crew cut, a thick moustache and a three-day-old stubble. The man's eyes were deep-set and they gleamed with malice. I am Jagdeep, and I am the man who will fulfill your desires. Saying this, Jagdeep reached behind and pulled out a long serrated knife. He quickly swept it across Demon's belly. Demon did not even feel the blade slice through his belly. But he started screaming in pain when a waterfall of thick, viscous red liquid spilled out of his tummy, followed by his intestine that spilled out like a knot of coiled snakes. The heartless goons laughed at the sight of the dying man. <laughs> Demon's daughter's muffled cries added to the cacophony. Finish the girl, Jagdeep instructed to the two men standing before him. The pop of flashbangs blinded the men and shocked their senses momentarily. This was followed by the deployment of smoke bombs that quickly reduced visibility. Guns barked and chaos descended on the go-down.